Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with life coach Cindy Chavez, and this is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. We are recording this on the day before Thanksgiving 2020, and uh, Cindy and I were talking before the show about different possible topics for the day, and we kind of agreed that, you know, this close to Thanksgiving, in addition to the rampage of gratitude uh, episode that we're doing for tomorrow. I'm still in the process of piecing that together, but that will be out for tomorrow. We figure why not continue the theme because, uh, hey, you can't have enough gratitude in your life, you know? It's one of those things that you, that you can't, isn't that cool? You can't overdose on gratitude. Did you ever notice that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a good thing to remember. Mm-hmm. And also the the higher level of mastery of being grateful for things that normally we wouldn't naturally feel grateful about right like Mm. feeling feeling grateful for every single thing i used to use this example it's kind of funny um there was a sandwich shop i don't remember which one it was near a place i used to work like 20 years ago and and if you ordered a sandwich with everything it was like mayonnaise and mustard and lettuce and pickles or something like that but if you ordered a sandwich with every single thing, they also put, you know, all these other things, peppers and onions and all these other things that were on, that were possible. And I always think of that as like some of those things in the list of every single things are things that many people don't like. <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> right? It's kind of like ordering the pizza. If you order a pizza with everything, they double check if you really mean it. Like, do you really want anchovies? Because <laughs> some people go, ooh, no. So being thankful for every single thing is a little bit uh, higher level of mastery than just being thankful for things we automatically put in the awesome column and it's like easy to be thankful for that but you know i was talking to a client yesterday and i made a comment towards the end of our session that possibly everything that she was considering a detriment right now i said you know what if what if those things were actually the universe supporting you. Mm. Like one of the things was everything has slowed down. I said, what if that was actually a gift from the universe? Sure. And then we got to the part of the conversation where I said something like, you know, all of us can find the thing in our life that's going really well, whatever it is. And if you trace it back, you'll always trace it back to something that really sucked. (laughs) And and, uh, she was like, oh, oh, my gosh. She said, I think that was it. That was the moment. That was it right there, what you just said, right? And so it it made an impact. But it's really true. Like almost I've never done that exercise with somebody who didn't get there to, oh, wow, yeah. I have this new great job now. It's so fantastic. It's a dream come true. Trace back how you got there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was that that position I got fired from or whatever. So if we recognize that pattern in life that, you know, we have an ebb and flow and that contrast does happen and then the contrast is usually like the slingshot that shoots us into some better experience, then we can start being thankful for everything, even when we don't know what's going to come of it. 
absolutely true. And in fact, I have something for us to be thankful for today, you and I, um, yeah. because last week, of course, we did the show on boundaries after yes. somebody wrote into you and said, uh, we'd like to have that show. Right. I had forgotten that we had a couple other messages that we never got to last week that we can bring in this week. And they're both oh, from the same awesome. listener. Yeah. Yes. They sent it separate times. Um, her name is Deborah. Deborah's been sending a lot of stuff in lately. She's been Thank a great you, listener. Really good. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to read them to you, and then we could discuss them individually or together or however we want to do it. But uh, why don't you just, you know, listen in, and, and you can decide how you want to approach it when I'm done, okay? Perfect. So she says, you now this one was sent a few weeks back, so I'm not sure exactly which episode she was referring to, but uh, hopefully it'll, it'll uh, explain itself, shall we say. It says, uh, this is a question for both you and Cindy. I just listened to yesterday's show. This was obviously back then, which was great as always. And it was a lovely surprise to hear my comments read. So obviously she's written in before. You both touched on a theme that my partner and I discuss quite often, that of victimization. I think Cindy said the victim didn't cause the event, but my understanding is that they would have attracted it to them and that there are no mistakes. He, my partner, often says this is a point on which he does not agree and cites the example of children who are victimized, or was it just that in, in general terms, it's not helpful to the victim to point this out to them? Thanks for clarification and for all the fabulous content. So th that's the first one. I let me read the second one and then we can decide how we want to go after this. Second one said, love the show today. Thank you so much for your fabulous insights. It made me realize how much I've moved on from past relationships where that needing and wanting to have my needs and wishes instinctively known by my partner was very prevalent. For me, that came from not having a sense of connection with my inner self, with source. So I desperately needed that sense of connection and being known from my partner, which very obviously meant they were doomed for failure. Fascinating that you said that procrastination is the most aging thing. I have to hold my hand up and say that I am a master procrastinator. Yikes. I would love it if you would speak some more about this topic. Thanks so much for your wonderful contribution to LOA today. You can really hear the love, light, and laughter in your voice. It's beautiful. Hugs, thanks. Huge thanks to you and Walt. You both rock. Ah, well, you rock too, Deborah. I, I love it when people send us uh, topic ideas and questions. Um, there's a lot to unpack here. I want to touch on one thing first in the reverse order of how you read this, Walt, because because I just mentioned the mastery of being able to be thankful for something, you know, that doesn't feel good. Mm. Right. Um, there is a level of mastery to that. There and is. there's all kinds of tricks that you can use to remember that we've talked often about the story of good luck, bad luck mm -hmm. and how in my family, even my kids, if something happens, I mean, they're, my kids are grown now, but it, if something happens, that's, you know, not wonderful in their life, they'll often send me a message and then say, GLBL, right? Good luck, bad luck. Right? <laughs> it's like, so it does help to have that concept in your mind that there's an ebb and flow. And so speaking of mastery and speaking of maturity, this idea that now Deborah used the word instinctively, being in a relationship where you're wanting to have your needs instinctively met, and I think I used a word like intuitively or like even a mind reader, right? And that's mm. that feeling of like, well, I don't want flowers if I have to ask you for them. If you really love me, you would know that, I, you know, that kind of thing. Right. There's only one time in your life when 
all of your needs are automatically met even before you ask. Do you know when that is? Think about it. That is when you <laughs> are in imagine. utero. Yes. Right? When you are in the womb, you don't have to ask for food. You don't have to cry for a nap. You don't have to ask for anything. Your needs are met. And if you think about it in a level of maturity, that is the very bottom level of there's no maturity here, there, right? So if you want to make a correlation of that, you will say the more mature we are, the easier it is for us to ask for what we need. Oh, nice. Very nice. I like that. Well, it, it is. It, it does prove itself out, right? As a baby, as a newborn, we squeak. seriously like if you're if you're a parent of a toddler and a friend of yours has a newborn and you go visit and the newborn is three days old and it cries right it goes and you go oh my gosh how did that ever wake me up (laughs) right so as a as a newborn baby you know you squeak for what you need and then you develop some lungs and you can really cry for what you need and then mm-hmm. you develop a little bit of language and you can start being a little more specific about what you need the more mature you get the easier it is for you to ask for what you need to know what you need and to ask for it so that means to me that the relationships I was in when I was younger, where I felt really petty if somebody didn't know what I needed already and just provide it for me without me asking, is really showing my immaturity. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, one of those, that's one of those moments. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Take a step back. What am I asking for here? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so if you are learning to ask for what you need, which actually is preceded by knowing what you need, being aware of what you need, um, and then asking for it, count that as a part of the maturation process. That's part of growing up. That's part of being an adult. Uh, Knowing what you need, asking for what you need, getting your own needs met, because other people are not responsible to meet your needs. They may be very helpful for that process, Thankfully, you know, we live in a universe full of other people and that's how the universe works is that we can ask for what we need and often some other person is going to step up and say, hey, I can do that for you. And that's fine. That's great. That's wonderful. That's connection. Um, But doesn't make other people responsible for you as a grown person. um, You're responsible. Okay. I want to uh, kind of tag on to that because I love the, the way you create that progression, that's really fabulous, really, really good. Um, and the only thing I wanted to tag on to the end of it is the idea that because as we grow up, it is a sign of maturation, it is also a sign of a more full life, of a, of a fulfilled life. Because when we depend on somebody else to figure out what our needs are, we really limit our lives. But when we are willing to express I need help with this, please help with that, whatever. We're actually talking about a more abundant life. And that's exactly what the whole law of attraction thing is all about. It's about that abundant lifestyle. You know, it's, it's like, um, I can't remember what movie it was I saw, but there was a line in the movie that says, how can you possibly get what you want if you don't ask for it? <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. You know, as, as a coach, I mean, it sounds really basic and really simple, 
But one of the most basic, simple, and yet powerful questions that you can ask is, what do you want? And I, I personally have been asked that question where I didn't have an answer. And I've asked the question probably hundreds of times and heard, I don't know. Mm. Right. And so it's like, well, if you don't even know what you want, why should anyone else know? (laughs) And so it takes time and it takes uh, energy and effort. And I don't mean a bad kind of effort. I just mean focus. Right. It takes attention, energy and attention to get clear on what you want. But the wonderful thing is that the clearer you are about what you want, the better chance you have of actually getting it. Say, what a concept. What a concept. Yeah. I always use with clients, I always use the really silly almost example of going to a restaurant and the server comes and says, what can I get you today? And you go, I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I'll come back in five minutes. What can I get you today? I don't know. Okay. Well, I'll come back. (laughs) Comes back again. Have you decided yet? I just, I really don't know. Uh, This could go on forever. (laughs) Well, it actually won't go on forever. They want to turn the table over, so they'll probably ask you to go into the waiting room while you, you serve to somebody leave. else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know those, uh, the, how some, sometimes places won't seat you unless your entire party is there. Right, right. This is like, well, we're not going to seat you unless you have an idea of what you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, <laughs> so I want to talk about this idea that Deborah brought up about victims and victimization. Mm. And one sentence that was in there, I think, uh, I think they said their partner, um, but they talked about that victims, this would mean that victims attracted their victimization and there are no mistakes. I want to point out that those are two different concepts. They don't have to go together. <laughs> True. Um, I often entertain the idea that there are no mistakes. Part of it is a conscious choice because it's a better feeling thought than something was a mistake. The other part about victims either creating or attracting their victimization, I'm in agreement that I I can't make it work in my brain that a child that has been a victim of something um, would have created it or attracted it. I, I have a really simple idea about this. <laughs> and that okay. is just that, is just that welcome to earth. We live on earth and sometimes people behave in certain ways that cause us to experience things that would be in the category of victimization. It doesn't mean I have to continue feeling like a victim or identifying as a victim, which some people do. I was in a long-term marriage that was emotionally and verbally abusive. But you don't hear me saying, I'm an abuse victim, right? Because that's not my identity. I had that experience. Do I believe that I created it or attracted it? Well, I believe I was there and I was involved in it. And some of my actions and behaviors may have helped facilitate it. Mm -hmm. I certainly tolerated it. (laughs) Right. I tolerated it. Um, And at the point that I recognized that 
I was tolerating something that was putting me in a situation where I would be considered a victim, that word actually shook me out of it because it was so covert. I didn't really recognize what was happening. And one day, um, I, I usually refer to this as the library angels. One day I was at the library. I was looking for a book on knitting or something, and there was a book that was misshelved. And that book changed the trajectory of my life. Wow. Because the book talked about covert emotional abuse. And I opened the book at random to a page and I read a list of behaviors that I was experiencing almost every day of my life. And I realized very quickly that people that are experiencing this are referred to as abuse victims. And I did not want to be a victim. Uh Like, so from the very beginning, I did not want to be victimized. Right. Right. So, we can look at this and say, well, this was a complicated thing because there were good parts to the relationship as well as bad parts. And it was a long-term relationship. So, you know, it wasn't easy peasy. Like I'm walking down the street and someone robs me or mugs me. And yet, even so, if that happens to you, sure, you technically would be considered the victim of a crime, right? Someone, robbed you and you were the victim and they were the perpetrator. It's what you do with it afterwards. It's how you respond afterwards to me. That is the important part. And did you attract it? Well, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's to me, I, I always have a little bit of trouble with that because it sounds like victim shaming to me. And we all, live on this planet where things happen and they're not always things that we enjoy outwardly. They're not always comfortable, pleasurable things. Sometimes they're things that feel really crappy and you know, we're here, right? We're here. And if you want to think that we had some, some idea about our incarnation, then we have to say, well, we came here to experience it all. That's true. I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to choose that idea, but if you do entertain, it's helpful. Right. Very helpful, then you say, well, huh, good luck, bad luck. Who knows? Mm-hmm. You know, I know a friend of mine that in her family, there was a baby that was given up for adoption. The reason why was because both of the parents were drug addicts. I believe they were addicted to heroin. And so this baby got given up for adoption. And do you know that the, the father of this child went on, if you fast forward 30 years in his life, he's one of the or was one of the very top people in the world of rehab and helping people get their lives clean from heroin addiction. Mm-hmm. Like he's renowned in the field. He's respected, mm-hmm. right? But if you go back 30 years and you look at his life and what was going on, we would say, oh, it's a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we all have a journey that we're on, and this is where that kind of no mistakes part can happen. Sometimes something that's happened to you in your victim role <laughs> changes the trajectory of your life where you mm-hmm. are able to help many people. 
or you are able to make a discovery that's very helpful to you. So I think that's where that no mistakes thing is really useful. And the whole idea of, well, you, you know, something terrible happened to you. You created it, right? You attracted it. To me, that's just, that's just um, creating a lot of shame. And I don't think that creating shame is a very high vibration. I agree with you. I, I would also add the real question isn't what you're going to say to somebody else or even what somebody says to you. It's what you, what do you say to yourself? How do you see yourself? You, you said it very nicely. You didn't see yourself as a victim. The last thing you were interested in was being a victim. It was, it was the lowest item on your list and, and it was the part yeah. of the list you were going to throw away. Right. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, there's a way that you can frame these things that happen. Um, so like I just did. I said, right. well, I, I experienced an abusive relationship, um, and I learned from it what I needed to learn, and then I continued to learn everything that I thought I needed to learn to have a healthy relationship. So now I'm in a very healthy relationship. Okay? I'm no longer in that. That's not who I am. It's just something I experienced. Right. So I have thoughts about that that people may disagree with. I have a friend that was – um, an alcoholic for several years and then went through a program and became sober. So doesn't drink anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for, for three or five years really had an alcohol problem, but now for 35 years has had no alcohol, but continues to say, well, I'm an alcoholic and I'll always be an alcoholic and alcoholism is, is a disease. Yes. And I know that there is that thought. What I said to him is, well, sorry, but <laughs> I don't consider you an alcoholic. I consider you somebody that had a problem with alcohol 35 years ago, and it's just not who you are today. So that's always just perception, you know? Precisely. Yes, and that's what I was referring to also, because uh, when I talked about how it, all that really matters is how do you talk to yourself about it, what I was thinking is, well, you yeah. can, if you want to, you can say that you attracted it. But the question I would ask myself if I were considering that possibility is, is there a benefit to me to, to say I attracted this? Is, is, there some, is there something I can look at that perhaps maybe I want to change my behavior or whatever? Then great, do that. But if you can't find that, why would you want to even go there? What's the point? What's yeah, the value of Sometimes that? I've asked myself that question in a very curious way, uh, you know, I had someone scold me actually one time when I said that I had asked myself this question. I said, oh, no, you shouldn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, but I just, I had just verbalized it to myself like, hmm, why did I create this? Mm -hmm. Right? With the idea that, well, if I created this and I really was stepping into that place of deciding I had created it because I'm so powerful, I can create anything I want. And right. I must have created this for some really good purpose. So why did I create it? It was just an exercise in being curious and being powerful and empowering myself of, well, let's pretend I did create it. Sure. Why? What war? What came out of it that was good for me, right? The person said, oh, that's terrible. You should never, <laughs> <laughs> you should never ask yourself that. Uh, you know, it, it just depends on, you, your perspective, how does it make you feel? What, the can vibration. You see, what can you see that came out of it that served you? And we yeah. talk about this a lot, payoffs. Right. What's the payoff? Right. right? What is the payoff? And believe it or not, 
you know, when you look at those levels of energy, the victim, victim energy is at the bottom of the levels. And that doesn't mean it's bad. And, uh, you know, abundance energy, passion energy, love energy is good. That's where we get all mixed up. We start labeling things as good and bad. It might feel bad and it might feel good. But when we start giving things labels, we're judging them. And, you know, your level of consciousness is directly related to your lack of judging. So as soon as you can just throw out all those thoughts and say, this is good and this is bad and just let them be what they are. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Then your level of consciousness will expand. Yeah. And that's it. That feels better. A whole lot better. Yeah. 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 So I don't want to be a victim, but you know, um, Three years ago now, I think, I was having work done on my house. I was staying out of town, and it was obvious that work was being done and that I wasn't living here, right? There was a giant pile of trash and wood and debris from the part of the house that was being redone out in the front. There were no cars here. It was pretty obvious that we were gone. And someone broke into my house and ransacked my house and stole a bunch of things that were important to me left most of the really valuable things. (laughs) Cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was what it was. It was awful. And you know, I have never beat myself up about creating that or attracting it. I mean, if I attracted it in any way, I just didn't have a camera in my house at the time. And I, and it was very obvious to anyone driving by that no one was here. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, sometimes we can just, like, look at what we know and be realistic and not have to attribute some mystical quality to the thing. Now, I still I still um, believe that, you know, something, good luck, bad luck, you know, something extra good will come out of that experience for me. Um, but I don't beat myself up about it. <laughs> Things happen. You know, we live on Earth. <laughs> Well, to kind of follow up on the theme that you were touching on earlier, you you went through a rather horrific experience with your ex-husband, and it led to not only your current husband, but it led to you being a terrific life coach and to being a a contributor here on LOA Today. So some good stuff came out of it, really, really good stuff. I mean, so many good things came out of it. Seriously. Like, I've I've actually said this before. Like, I don't want to do it again, but I I also wouldn't go back and change anything because you know you change one thing and everything's different and I have a a relationship that I would score at the very top of the relationship chart I mean it's it's amazing and how did that happen well I think it happened because of what I experienced before this and that I got very very clear on what was acceptable to me on what I desired and then I have very, very strong boundaries about those things. And, you know, we're just a match. Mm-hmm. And, right. and that's, and yes, I, you're right. I mean, I, I decided once I started learning kind of like anything else that you learn that you're passionate about, you want to share it with other people. You want to talk about it. Uh, I learned a lot of interesting things about relationships and I just wanted to share it and talk about it. And then, I would also see things that were happening with other people and it was very obvious and clear to me. And 
so I began to teach and I began to, I went to coaching school and got my coaching certifications and have since gotten several more. And yes, none of that. Anybody that I've helped in that way, I wouldn't have been able to help it unless I'd gone through what I had gone through. Yeah, that's a big deal too. Even today, huh? sitting here talking about it, right? So absolutely. Yeah. We've got some uh activity in the live stream, so I wanted to bring that in. First of all, regarding an earlier comment that we were making, Jeffrey says if you don't ask others for what you want, you deny them the opportunity to say yes. Yes, absolutely. I always talk about this uh idea that I don't know where it came from, but you know the whole thing about oh it's better to give than to receive. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> well I mean if there's no receiver, then there there can't be a giver. If every person in the world decided they were never going to receive, they were only going to give, what would happen? It's two sides of the same coin. So that's right. Yes, Jeffrey, that's exactly right. We we give people the opportunity. And you know, people can say no. Sure. You ask for something, if someone can't do it, they can say no. Um, but if they, I mean, I, people ask me for things, and I'm usually delighted. Yes. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked me for something today, and I was able to do it for them, and I was thrilled. I said, yes, I'll do it right now. Mm -hmm. And what if they wouldn't have asked? What if they would have just struggled and not asked for help? They'd still be struggling. You know, this way it's well, all taken care of. They would have been in a place that I was in many, many times throughout the past when I was afraid to ask for help of, of various kinds. They would have been miserable. But let's just not put a fine paint over, coat of paint over it. It's just a miserable place to be because you're, you're doing two things at once. First of all, you're beating yourself up because you didn't ask. And second of all, you're beating yourself up because you didn't get what you didn't ask for. <laughs> wow, that's true. That is so true. And, you know, an idea that I am... Um was thinking about recently is hyper-independence. Mm. Hyper-independence is actually a trauma response. That's true. Yeah. So if you're one of these people, and I, I was there, I was one of those people that had to do it myself. I didn't need help. I, w I was, you know, nope, 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 nope. I will just do it myself. And I realized when I learned that, I looked back and thought, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Me too. I can, I can see where that came from now. And so there's, there's, no, there's no shame in asking for help in, in any circumstance, right? Like I was talking to somebody recently about uh, asking for a job. We've talked about this on the show before. What's the best thing you can do if you need a job? Tell everyone you know. Tell everybody you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, don't hide it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is you, you know, most of us only need one, um, whatever it is that we need. Mm -hmm. Right. That's true. And yeah. so if we're telling everybody we know, there's a chance somebody can help. So a couple more things from Jeffrey. He says, I have clients that are celebrating 20 plus years of sobriety. The way we frame our stories is important. I like the way he said that. It's celebrating 20 plus years yes. of sobriety. Yes. Yeah. I love it. No. That's great. And, and I don't want to be misinterpreted as saying that it's not important, you know, or that, oh, you know, it's not a big deal that you haven't drank in 20 years. That's not what I mean at all. If, right. if that's part of your journey and you're celebrating it, that's amazing. That's awesome. So Absolutely. you're celebrating 20 years of sobriety instead of talking about the fact that, well, I haven't had a drink in 20 years, but I know I'm still suffering with a disease. That's just a different take on it. 
This to me sounds like, well, you've got victory over that. Right. Condition, That's a big right? deal. That's a very big deal. Which is he also, much, much different. He also adds, I appreciate that I am in a place to offer help and be able to say yes to so many. So just like you, he likes to be able to say yes. Yes, I can help. Right. I'm telling you, it brings, it brings great joy. I think that that's actually the, probably the, where that saying comes from. The, the, the saying that it's better to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. I think that people that are givers or people that get to experience the joy of giving realize that it feels so good. Right. That, that it, it almost feels better than the receiving or it does feel better than the receiving. It's like, oh my gosh, it felt so good to give this gift to someone. It's not a statement that says, you know, it's morally superior for you to be a giver. Right. Exactly. That's a big, big difference right there. Right. And I think that's, that makes all the difference. Yeah, so, I yeah. Agree. So, Jeffrey, good on you for for giving <laughs> and giving joyfully and being able to help when people need your help. I think it's fantastic. Now, Josie has a couple things for us. First of all, she says, hey, Walt and Cindy, happy Thanksgiving. Yay, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Gary Zukoff states that when you want something, also think about why you want it and whether it is an authentic or inauthentic, I'm sorry, authentic or inauthentic intention. What do you think of that? Oh, I think it's really, really smart. Um, because sometimes we think we want a certain thing. I mean, this is like coaching 101, right? Sometimes we, we say we want a certain thing. But if we think about why we want it, and we can realize that it wasn't even authentic, it's just, it's a strategy. It's, it's what we think will give us that thing that's a little deeper. Give you an example. Sometimes people say they want a million dollars. That's a number that's kind of arbitrary, but it means something. Sometimes people say they want a six-figure income, right? Again, it's like we always need to say, well, what does that really mean? And what, what would that give you? It's another way of asking why would you want that? And people have different reasons for wanting it. They want to feel secure financially or they want to travel the world or they want to feel like they have the freedom to say yes to whatever they want to say yes to. And those are three very different reasons. So when we get down to that reason, we want to feel secure. Well, what would feeling secure, what would that feel like? Right. And what would that allow you to do, right? And we can keep going deeper and deeper. And then when we get to the authentic desire or need, then we can formulate an authentic ask. Right. There you go. Okay. And, like, sometimes it's not even about money. Like, one of the things I noticed that people have – a tendency to do, I think I've done it myself, is to tie tie a whole bunch of things up into a big ball and call it something, usually right. either time or money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. So they think, well, when I finally have enough money, then I'll do all these things. So if we start digging around, like, well, what things would you do? Well, I would travel. Okay, travel usually takes money although there are some people that have managed it without money. Um, what else would you do? I would finally write my book. Well, what's stopping you from writing the book now? Mm, yes. A notebook and a pencil. <laughs> That's about it. 
and 10 minutes a day. Like, there are easy things we can find, right? So sometimes we connect things that aren't truly connected. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good point. I love Gary Zukov, too. I, I, I read some of Gary Zukov's books years and years ago when I was first um, doing my, my coaching schooling uh, 10 or 12 years ago and always enjoyed the books that he has written. And I know that Oprah Winfrey actually claims that a Gary Zukoff book, I believe, is really what changed the trajectory of her life. And we all see where her oh, really? life ended up. So, yeah. yeah. I, that's kind of in skyrocket territory right there. Right. <laughs> now, Josie also had a follow-up to what she had mentioned because she had a question for us to, to address. She says, in your opinion, how do you tell the difference between the two, between authentic and inauthentic intention, when it comes to work and romantic relationships? Hmm. Well, I think when we get down to the need um, slash desire, I know that those can be two different things. Sometimes we have a desire for something just because we have a, a desire for it. How do we know it's authentic? Um, we start digging around asking ourselves why we want it, just like you said before. Um, so in work, you know, uh, I'm not even sure how to really answer that question because there's this idea that you should do what you're passionate about. Um, and I don't always agree with that the way it's stated because I certainly want you to do the things that you're passionate about in your life. But when we, when we always connect everything to money, um, that's where I think sometimes we get confusion in our messaging because there, there is our path, so that can be have to do with our life purpose and have to do with our like, life mission or however you want to put it. And then there is our supply, which often has to do with whatever we do to bring in money. And sometimes they're not the same thing. And no. we can do them both. <laughs> right? Like, I, I will use myself as an example and something that I actually am just working through. I've been a life and relationship coach for over for a dozen years now. I also am a singer, songwriter, a graphic artist, a painter, a knitter, a crocheter, a sewer, an embroiderer. Like I, I have all these things that require art supplies, crafting supplies, color. Like they're part of my life that I really need because they feed my soul. So I love coaching. I had a coach ask me a great question recently when I was coaching around this with my coach. She said, when you're coaching someone, do you wish you were painting instead? Mm. And I said, that's a great question and absolutely no. When I am coaching someone, I am totally in the zone. I'm not thinking about anything else. I am loving every moment of it. I'm not wishing I would, you know, wishing I was somewhere else. No. So that's a good clue, right? That it's something that I'm, I'm not only good at, but I really do enjoy it. But because I was pretty much financially self-sufficient since I was a young teenager, I had this idea in my head that I had to justify anything I did with like, was it making money? Mm, yes. I know that one well. <laughs> really? Okay. I'm so glad to hear that because I do. I mean, yeah. this is something I've, 
currently, I don't usually talk about things I'm currently working through, but I am today. This is something I was, I'm currently in the midst of working through. And I literally realized this week how big this was, that I wasn't really conscious of how big it was, that anytime I had a desire, because, you know, all these things I love to do, they can get expensive. Art supplies are not cheap. (laughs) This is true. And so anytime I would have a desire to, like, be creating this, between the money that I was going to be spending on supplies for it and between the time I was going to be spending doing it, I w- my brain would want to start justifying it by, can I sell it? And, of course, then I would think, well, I don't have the time or energy to create an entire business of painting or an entire business of, you know, whatever I'm creating. So I would sh- kind of shut that down. And it finally dawned on me that it's okay. I can do these things for the sheer joy of doing them because it feeds my soul. And I don't have to justify it. I don't have to justify my using the time and I don't have to justify my spending the money. It just is what it is. It's something I love to do and I can do it because of that. I know that sounds so basic, but you know, when you have your own epiphany about it, it's like, whoa. And so I don't, like to get mixed up with this idea that your passion has to be the thing that's bringing in money for you. I actually have the capacity to hold both. I have passions over here that I'm crazy about and love to do for the sake of doing them. And then I have a business that I'm also very good at and love doing that brings in money. And and you underlined something there without actually stating it overtly. You have multiple passions. Yeah. You're not limited in life to one. <laughs> that one took me a long time to learn, that I wasn't limited to one passion, that I could actually have an abundance of passions. And that's well, perfectly you, good. Have, you taught me about the Sudbury School and the idea of mm-hmm. trying something, picking it up, putting it down, picking it up, putting it down, trying this, see if you like it, try this, see if you like it. That's a really good point to remember because sometimes we feel like when we make a choice, it's like etched in stone and this is it forever. And it doesn't have to be that way. Right? We can try it and see if we like it. So I'm not sure if that answered Jesse's question. <laughs> I feel like I went off on a tangent. I think you did well with that. To hear it, so. <laughs> I'll, I'm going to add a couple things. Um, first thing I want to add is when we're in a work situation, where we're not passionate about it. I think that's pretty much where this question comes from. What happens when you're in a uh, doing work that you are not passionate about? I like to remember the Abraham teaching about this. Knowing what you don't want is a springboard to knowing what you do want. Yes. So when you when you're doing something that you don't like, the first question then becomes, what do you like about it? And the second question becomes, what would you like to do instead? Yes. Because like we said before, unless we know what it is we want, we can't ask for it. We can't get it. So we have to be able to state what it is that we want. And the whole purpose of this little exercise is to do exactly what we were talking about a moment ago. You mentioned the Sudbury approach, which is try something, try something, try something. Well, what better place to try something than in, in your own mind? You just kind of work through stuff. What would I like to do? It's, it's open field at that point. You can just kind of pick anything. It doesn't have to be something you're even qualified for. This is just exploration. What would I like doing instead of this? And when you get that that cycle of juices going, that's what I'll call it, 
when you get the, the experience of, of building that momentum of one thing after another that, oh, that would be fun to do, or, oh, that might be interesting. Oh, that would be, boy, it wouldn't be great to get paid for doing that. You know, when you get this kind of thing going, then the ideas keep coming because that's the law of attraction. The more that you focus on what you like, the more of what you get about what you like. Right. You and you that. Know, it's so simple. It's so direct. And, and yet that's like the most powerful thing we've got. <laughs> and here's something else that kind of will tie this back to several different points that we've already had in the conversation today. Mm-hmm. And that is the idea that sometimes we don't like something and we start dwelling on how much we don't like it. Right. About our job. Right. And I know in my own experience, um, I, I very easily could have had a conversation where I was the victim, right? My boss just overworks me and they don't pay me enough and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, but I was actually creating that and facilitating it because I had zero boundaries. So I found a pattern in my life over the course of like five different jobs where it was the same pattern. I would get hired because I had expertise. I would go in. I would always have a smile on my face. I would say yes to every single thing they asked. They would pile more. Do you think you can handle this too? Yes, yes, please give it to me, right? I would keep saying yes, and I would keep getting a heavier workload. I would never get paid anymore. I was always the one that got the pat on the back, though. Oh, we don't know what we do without Cindy. She just She's always pulling through for us. And I watched other people get the promotions. I watched other people get go off on the weekend while I was the one working. And I always what had a smile on my face right so yeah we we talked about this uh, uh, last week maybe tolerating i was tolerating because i had no boundaries i never said no i never said sorry i can't do that um i just said yes 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 to any well of course they're gonna ask me i'm the one that says yes (laughs) so when you go like why don't they ever ask anybody else because everyone else says no and you're the one that always says yes so they're like ask her she'll do it this and does so, not take a mathematician to figure this one out. This is pretty straightforward. <laughs> well, I tell you what, one day I had that aha moment. I mm. was like, oh, my gosh, this happens to me everywhere I go. It's got to be me. I'm the common denominator, right? right? And and then I created a different boundaries for myself. And what happened then? Well, then, then the next job I had was much more enjoyable. <laughs> yep. So, you know... <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes it really is on us because we don't have boundaries. You can't have what you want and keep your weak boundaries. (laughs) Louis D'Souza loves to emphasize every single opportunity he gets. And if he doesn't get an opportunity, he will create it in the middle of the show. (laughs) But every opportunity that he gets, he will emphasize how much he loves either expressing or hearing what he himself or somebody else doesn't want. His reaction is always, great, that's wonderful, because now you're one step closer to knowing what you want. Exactly. <laughs> and it's a great way to look at it. It's a wonderful right. way to look at it. Right. Because now, now there's no loss. It's all a game. The whole thing is game. Yeah. So if you allow those things to give you some clarity about what you'd rather have, it's a win-win at that point. Right. And that's really what we've been talking about the entire time today. Good luck, bad luck. The situations that don't feel good uh, that we can still be thankful for because they've provided us with clarity about what would feel better. 
and we really do have the power to create that most of the time. Yeah. And there are times when it seems like we don't have the power to create it and we still do. And I'll make, give you an example of that. Um, I've been working on the LOA Today app. I'll, do, I'll use this as a little promo to remind people to get the app if they haven't downloaded it, especially to, to use, use the form on the app for sending in questions or comments for us to discuss on the show. Um, but now for promo, <laughs> yes, I'll go please. back to the app um, because that's why we have that in there. Uh, but I, I've been working on the app because uh, a number of people, myself included, have been experiencing a, a couple of issues where um, certain devices, you, you play the show and halfway throw the show, through the show stops suddenly. Um, there have been a couple other issues, things that, you know, the, the app's freezing up under certain circumstances and so forth. So I, I've been trying to resolve these for the last three and a half months. I mean, this has not been an easy set of problems to resolve. So as I go through them, I, you know, day after day, I, I get up, I, I do my uh, my mirror work, and then I do my, uh, my uh, video um visualizer that I play for myself and, and maybe I do some affirmations or I do a little meditating or whatever and I'm getting myself into that high vibe space and then, okay, now I'm ready to sit down. I'm going to, I, this problem is just going to solve itself today. That, I mean, it's always that same attitude and then I get into it. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> right? Where, where I, I, this is where I was yesterday. I'm just as defeated now as I was then, <laughs> you know? So it, it, what I'm saying is we run into these things where, it just seems like every approach that we take, we come back to the same spot over and over and over again. And that's where the whole I am the common denominator thing really comes to the fore for me because I have to recognize I'm the one who's doing that every single day. It isn't the problem that's doing it to me. I am the one who is doing that every single day. And when I remember that and recognize that, a few things happen. First of all, I laugh, which is, like the best thing I could do in the midst of dealing with this thing that's just haunting me like crazy. I laugh at it. Laughing the second thing, <laughs> it is, it's great medicine. And then the second thing that I do is I see something I didn't see five minutes ago. Yes. Why? Because I raised my vibration. <laughs> right. Right. So I was going to say, you know, what this reminds me of is that, and you get closer to the problem being solved, right? Yes, exactly. Right. So it reminds me of that idea um, that, we talked about when I was really sick, like 30 years ago and, and my doctor and I, and I had been getting better and getting better. And then I had a horrible day and my doctor was like, Cindy. And he took that paper and he wrote a dot at the bottom lower corner. And then he wrote a dot at the top right-hand corner. And he drew this straight line and goes, see, this is like from the bottom to the top. That's how you want your healing journey to go. That's what everybody expects, but it really goes like this. And he made this jagged up and down, up and down, up and down, like a stock market line. In the end, it still ended at the top. We were moving up. But there it wasn't a smooth line. There were right. dips and valleys in that line. And that's life, folks, you know. And But if you look at your overall trajectory of beginning until now, problems have been solved. So, like, when you say, when I come in, I think, oh, it's me. I'm defeated again. I'm, I'm, I'm just as defeated as I was yesterday may feel that way but there's also an upward climb that you're making progress and that problems are being solved so always yeah, that that helps me so much to remember that. a problem like this one it, 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 i i spelled it out like it's one or two problems 
it's actually like probably about hundred. <laughs> exactly. That's precisely what it is. It's, I have to solve this and this and this and this and this and this in order to solve this so I can solve this. That's what it really is all about. Mm-hmm. But I'm not giving credit to myself for that. All I'm saying is the one problem thing is solved. Oh, no, I'm in the bad place again. <laughs> well, wait a minute. What about all those little thises that you were fixing? You don't give yourself credit for those? What's wrong with you? (laughs) I'm thinking back like a couple of years to you. We're like, oh, I'm going to have to find somebody that can do this. I'm like, why don't you learn how to do it yourself? No, no. I'm not going to learn how to do this. And then two months later, guess what I'm learning how to do? Guess what I'm doing, right. (laughs) Well, I was was intimidated by all those little thises. That's really what it was. I, I unfortunately had a very good idea of how many this is there were right. in yeah. creating that. <laughs> <laughs> this and that and this and this and this and that. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but on the other hand, I have been learning a tremendous amount by learning how to fix those thises, including how my own mind works. I have been picking stuff up about my own mind that I didn't realize was there before. And a lot of them are things that I've been training myself to do as a result of doing this podcast with you and with Louie and Linda and Rita and all the other people who I've done it with. I was recognizing some of the patterns that we talk about here on the show. I had actually integrated them without intending to integrate them. Oh, simply tell, because tell, we've tell talked the about details. Them. <laughs> Give us well, an example. Let's see. I, I, I don't know if I can come up with a an example that I can give without getting technical, but I'll try. Um, All right. So earlier today, I was trying to, this overall problem of the thing freezing, that's the one I'm working on right now. So like, you know, it plays for like 20 minutes and then it freezes. And the hardest part with that one is figuring out why it was freezing. That one, I I hadn't even figured it out for like the first two months. I, I was just, probing, trying things, looking things up and so forth. And then about in October, I actually started talking about this process a little bit on the show and getting some good feedback from you guys, different ways of looking at stuff and so forth. And and I think I was just subconsciously integrating that so that suddenly over the last two or three, maybe four weeks, something like that, I've been waking up with a different frame of mind. Now, I hadn't done that consciously with intention. That's my point. It had kind of built up in my subconscious mind because I'd been doing all this stuff, talking to you guys and talking to our audience, you know, going over stuff, explaining stuff to you guys that I already knew that I wasn't perhaps doing particularly well in my own life. But because we were talking about it. Creating a neural connection. Exactly. That connects a certain vibe, which is the vibe of talking to all of us and having us be high vibe and, you know, laughing and talking about it. Having that high vibe kind of, neural connect to the other to the problem right so that yeah okay i see it it's like a natural result of that's right which fits law of attraction we know the more that we focus on what we like the more ideas we get about what we'll also like and the same thing happens here so like today i literally i'm about i i'm one major step away from solving the whole thing which is probably about 10 minor steps Compared to at the beginning of the journey three months ago, where I was about 300 steps away. So yeah. I'm, I'm like 90% of the way there. <laughs> That's awesome. That's but if I don't think of it, if, if I don't spell it out that way, I don't think of it that way. I think of it as, oh, God, I haven't solved this problem in three months. But if I take the time to 
realize all the ways that all these little things I've been doing, talking about stuff here on the show and so forth, has contributed to piece, eating away piece by piece at this problem. Yeah. Little, little micro shifts, as Daniel Mangano likes to call them. Little, little tiny steps. All those steps have added up to 90% solved. That's that trajectory that That's looks the line. dips yeah. and valleys, and but it's going up, up, up. Exactly. Yeah. So encouraging to recognize that that also happens in a subconscious way mm. because our lives are holistic. You know, life coaches know, but there's this wheel, right? It's like a wheel, the wheel of life, and it's like cut up like a pie, and it has, you know, career and relationship and hobbies, and I, and I hate that wheel. I hate that thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you why, because I'm not a damn pie. Like, my right. life is holistic, and my how I feel at my job and how I feel in my relationship, you know, they all affect everything else. So this is like how you're reacting and responding and interacting with your co-hosts and with your audience about something is actually affecting this other part of your life that we exactly. aren't involved in, but that you're over there doing because it's holistic. Everything is connected in some way. That's like so cool. I'm like really inspired by this idea. <laughs> I was inspired by it today because I realized how close I was. I mean, this is the first day in all this time that I've been working on the, these issues. And actually, the, the, I said that there were multiple issues. They're all entwined. Just like um, the, the conversations on the show and working on the project are intertwined, there's an intertwine between the issues, too. And I'm pretty sure if I solve one, the other one's going to get solved, too, just as part of the, the deal, so to speak. You know, what's interesting about that is that – because everything is like a microcosm and a macrocosm is that sometimes as a coach, if I'm working with someone and they've got a pretty serious problem, even though I hate that wheel, but if they have a really serious problem in one area of their life, that it's really charged, really emotional. Sometimes if we work on something that's a little easier, when that thing shifts, that other important thing shifts too, right? Cause everything's yep. connected. And, yeah. and you're, you're actually seeing that, in the physical, <laughs> in the physical realm of like computers, software. Which is ironic because software is about as non-physical as you can get. I but know, you're right. But, you but it I'm is saying. the physical realm. You're the right. hardware part is is physical, and right. so you're seeing it happen in a more tangent way, I guess I should say, than just you know thought processes. But yes, all connected. Well, even so, I mean, uh, a computer program is a thought process. It's a written out thought process. What yep. I'm really learning to do when I write a program is to write a thought process that doesn't skip and stumble over itself, that actually runs continuously so that I'm just moving down the path. <laughs> oh, God, yes, apostrophes. You wouldn't believe what can kill you with programming. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this has been a really interesting exploration of gratitude because that's what, really, what we've really have been talking about the entire show, and I loved it. It's really, really good. So I want to wish you and yours a happy Thanksgiving. Thank and you. And I, I want to wish the same yours. thing and Thank our you whole very audience. Much. And to our whole audience, especially to our podcast listeners, without whom we wouldn't have a show. Pay attention tomorrow to the Rampage of Gratitude episode that's going to be coming out. And in the meantime, we will say we, we will see you all next time here on Elevate Today. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye.